Good morning. John 15. We're going to begin reading today in, in verse 12 down through 17. And the thought for today is abiding in his provisions or his provision. And really it's leading into the next few weeks that we'll be looking at uh, the idea of being renewed by Christ and having the mind of Christ as we abide in him. Uh, some of the things that will take place in our Christian lives. Uh, but it will be just a thought to this morning about His provision. Uh, so if you would, turn with me to John 15, verse 12. We'll begin reading. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that ye love one another. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our lives, and Lord, I thank you for your provisions, and we pray for your blessing upon this lesson as we go through it this morning, that you would just uh, do work in each and every heart, Father, that you would use your word to encourage and strengthen, and Father, I pray that you just draw each one near to yourself, and we pray, Lord, that you just bless your word this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to take a moment this morning to think about God's love. But as you think about it, make it personal. Sometimes we just think about God, He's a loving God, uh, but He loves you. God loves me. And remind yourself of that this morning, He loves you. Uh, It's an incredible truth to know that God loves us. Listen, He knows you, and He still loves you. If you knew me like God knew me, I don't think we'd be friends at times, definitely at least. But God knows those things about us that nobody else knows, and his love never fails, and he continues to love you. Uh, Don't forget that. He loves you. Listen, this is not some bumper sticker. This is not some flashy saying that God loves you, Jesus loves you. Uh, It's real. It's the reality that God loves you. And in these verses, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. We're accounted his friends. But but listen, he loved you to the point of death. Even though he knew all of your sin. He knew those thoughts that you have. uh, The wickedness uh, that's in your heart. uh, And he loves you. And listen, he wants to abide with you. That that still blows my mind that that as deep as God understands and knows us, he still wants our fellowship and and to be with us and to abide with us. Uh, It's it's an amazing thought. And just don't ever forget, that's the reality of it. Listen, the disciples were common men, uh, yet God loved them. One of the characteristics of Christ's love is giving. I would say that that is love, is giving. In verse 13, henceforth I, have call, uh, <clears throat> I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, 
For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made note unto you. Uh, he showed his love. The Father sent him. And he shared that with the disciples. He was giving. He, he gave them. He wasn't holding back on this. Everything that the Father had given him, he had, had instructed them. He was, a, he was giving. Uh, Amy Carmichael, she was a missionary in India. She had this statement. She said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of folks that give to charity and they could care less. They're doing it for maybe conscious sake or the tax write-off or whatever the, uh, the case may be, but they, they really do, don't care. They don't love necessarily those people or that organization that they're giving to. But listen, you cannot truly love without giving. And there's no greater example than our Savior uh, that would give his life because of his love for us. Jesus expressed his love with giving. True Christians love always. True Christian love always expresses itself in giving. We give a lot of lip service. We say that we love things. Well, we say that uh, we love God. But how much of our time do we give Him? How much of our money do we give Him? How much of our effort how much do we invest in the things of God, even though we say that we love Him? I think a lot of times we would find that our, the reality is uh, it's lackluster at best. And maybe some of us are just doing the bare minimum because we have a conscience that says, well, i got to give 10%. That's the tithe. The church expects to see that. Uh, nobody's checking on that, by the way. But um, listen, I think I've used this example over and over. If a husband loves his wife, he tells her, I love you but he never does anything to meet her needs, there's an indication that that is a lack of love there. It's not true what he's telling his wife. And the same would be said of a wife toward her husband. You can say a lot of things, but if you're not doing things and giving yourself and investing yourself into that relationship, uh, the reality is there's a lack of love there. And so God provides a pardon uh, when we talk about his provisions. And so this morning, I'm going to remind you uh, that Christ came to save. I think oftentimes we get distracted and we forget about God's love because we've been saved so long and it's just become routine and normal. Uh, but the reality is uh, that you deserve judgment. We all deserve judgment. We deserve the lake of fire because of our sin that has separated us from God. And so uh, don't ever forget that we are all sinners. And we can go back. And Pastor's been doing a great study in the book of Genesis. Uh, if you haven't been here for those, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. They, it is really uh, an, a great study. And, but listen, we have to remember that in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned. And because of that, we're all sinners. And we're not sinners just because we inherited that. We're all, we inherited the nature that causes us to sin too. Right, So it's not that, well, it's someone else's fault and now here I am, but examine your life and I guarantee you'll find sin in your life. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we are all sinners. Yes, the serpent beguiled Eve and Adam and her ate of the fruit that was forbidden by God and, and God removed them from the Garden of Eden. But the reality is this morning you're a sinner and God loves you. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. 
So we want to try to do the blame game, but we'll look what the latter part of that verse says in Romans 5.12. It says, for that all have sinned. You have sinned. You've transgressed a holy and righteous God. Uh, we're all born with a sinful nature and we've all chosen to sin. And consequently, we're all condemned before God uh, without Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And of course, many of you are probably familiar, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, the second death, which is the lake of fire that we refer to. Uh, every man deserves this. Every man, every woman, every human deserves this. Uh, but Christ's sacrifice provides a pardon. And if you could just understand the love that sent Christ to the cross, I think we would, it would really, if we truly internalize that, I think it would change how we give back to our Father and how we execute our Christian life. Uh, Some people hear of Christ's death and it has no significant meaning to them. They're not concerned about it. It doesn't mean anything and uh, they've never made it personal. Uh, Have you personalized your sin? He laid down his life to pardon your sin. Not someone else's, not the world's, but yours. He needed to die if it was only you. Jesus gave his life to pardon me for my sins and give me a home in heaven. And it's more than just a home in heaven. It's about eternal life and reconciliation with the Father. And being right with God. And having eternal life. Uh, Calvary is more significant when you make it personal. You know one of the most personal things that what, or you know who it was most personal for probably uh, is a good example? Is the thief on the cross. I mean he's there. He's facing death at that moment. Oftentimes we don't see the urgency uh, of our need because we think we're young. Or we think we have years to live and, and there's time. Uh, But the thief on the cross realized there is no time. Uh, And he looked to the Savior. Listen this morning, our need is no less urgent. Uh, We prayed this morning about his protection. We, uh, Lord willing, will be here tonight. But we don't have that guarantee. And, And I'm afraid we oftentimes get distracted with the mundane things of life, the routine things of life, God's continual protection over us and we don't realize how much danger we're in without Christ. And it ought to cause us uh, at a more urgent level to serve Him as we have this abiding relationship if we are in Christ. If you're not in Christ this morning, I urge you to trust Him. I urge you to do that. Uh, There's a difference between physical death and spiritual death. I think all of you, most of you probably understand that this morning. We can die physically, but if you're in Christ and you're saved, you will not face a spiritual death. But if you are not in Christ, if you don't know Him as your Savior, you will face a second death. Uh, The Word of God calls it the second death, and it will be eternal separation from God in the lake of fire for eternity. So there's eternal life, eternal death. Those are the only two options. So sometimes I don't think we really truly understand the penalty for our sin. And we, it causes us to be mediocre in our Christian life. 
you're worthy of hell. You're no good. There's none righteous. No, not one. Uh, Filthy rags are, are the best that you have to offer. And so when we are in Christ and, and, and He saves us from the lake of fire, the Scriptures say we love Him because He first loved us. If we really truly understood the love that He had for us, we would be a lot more giving back to Him in our Christian lives, I believe. But for whatever reason, we don't meditate on hell and the seriousness of what God saved us from. And for those that aren't in Christ, the seriousness of what you face, you're condemned already. You're worthy of hell. You're no better than anyone else that's come along this way. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. If it wasn't for the atonement of Christ, where would we be? Sometimes I think about if Christ hadn't saved me, I don't know where I would be today. I'm certain my life would be a wreck. My family would, I don't even know if I would have my family to begin with, but if I did, it would be a disaster, I'm sure. Because he's done all these things in my life to keep me safe and, and protected from the world and, and the devil. And listen this morning, without Christ, where would we be? Listen, without Christ, we're destined to hell. And we, never need to, we should never forget that fact. All of us were dead in sin, guilty, deserving of the judgment. Deserving of it. Not because that's just how things work out. You deserve it because of your sin. There's only one hope, the atonement in Christ. Someone had to pay for your sin, and the only one worthy was the spotless Lamb of God. He was the only one worthy. He, he provided a way. He had no sin, and He provided atonement for every sinner that will accept it. Do you understand that this morning? His substitutionary death, He took our penalty that we might be set free. In Christ, we have the freedom to serve God only because of Him. And I'm afraid we don't take advantage of it. We take it for granted. We neglect it. And we just carry on because we don't understand what we've been saved from. We're forgetful. We've left our, we've left our first love. We've, we've become negligent in being doers of God's word because we don't understand. Uh, Isaiah 53, 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. It's only because he took our place that we have the ability to abide in Him and and to serve our God and to have a relationship with the Father. Jesus died for you and me that that He might pardon our sin. What a blessing. Uh, The hymn says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. There was no other way. And this morning, if you're in Christ, I believe you understand that. 
but don't neglect it. Listen, if you're not in Christ, no church can save you. The baptistry waters can't take away your sins. There's nothing that can be offered other than the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. You can't, you're not going to be a good enough person to do it. It's not possible. You need Christ and Him alone. And, and listen, the, the amazing thing is in this relationship as we abide in Him, He provides all that we need. We really bring nothing to this relationship. So don't ever forget where you were if you are in Christ. Where you came from. I remember as a, a young airman, I was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base and uh, in the range building in the RAPCON facility there, uh, as you came down the stairs, there was a mosquito wing, we call that for a one-striper airman, and then a butter bar. And it was just those two ranks on the wall. And underneath it, it said, never forget where you came from. And the idea was, as you progress through the ranks and you uh, become a little more uh, important, maybe some people think, or uh, you have a little more responsibility or you have a greater leader capacity or responsibility at least. And, and uh, the idea is never forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. Listen, we need to never forget what Christ did for us. Right. And if it wasn't for Christ, it's hopeless. All hope is lost. Uh, there's no way. And so this morning, don't ever forget he's provided a pardon for you. But God's love provides a partnership. Verses 14 and 15. You're my friends if you do uh, whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Uh, Listen, we're friends of the King. Is that important to you? Or uh, I know being friends with Cindy is pretty nice. No, seriously, I like it. I enjoy uh, our friendship. Yeah, we're married, and I have to like her and love her and that kind of stuff, but uh, over the years, I've grown that she's my friend, and there's certain benefits. There are things that I can talk to her about that I don't talk to anyone else about. And I can share some struggles and some battles and some victories that I won't share with anyone else. And I cherish that friendship I have in my wife. And and there's very few other people on this earth that uh, I really uh, would say I I cherish that friendship in in kind of a a similar way. But listen, we're friends with the king. That word friend there has the idea of friend in the court or friend in the inner circle. Uh, When you trusted Christ and he became your savior, you became a friend of the king. Talk about a good friend. Uh, The benefits like no other. (laughs) There isn't a greater friend to have. Uh, Friends of the king are close to him, but they still obey him. Just because we're friends with the king doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. Uh, There's still a level of obedience, and and you'll see we're servants as well, but uh, you can be a friend and a servant at the same time. Did you know that? Nehemiah was a servant in uh, Artaxerxes' Uh, during the captivity there, and, and he was the cupbearer and all those things. He was the servant, but he was also accounted the friend of the king. We know that uh, Abraham was a friend of God, but he was a servant of God. 
And he needed to obey God. Uh, Think of David's mighty men. He counted them as friends, uh, but uh, they were those that did the kid's bidding, or king's bidding. Kid's bidding? King's bidding. What kind of friend are you to Jesus? We often talk about the benefits of being his friend and what he does for us. But what kind of friend are you to him? Are you abiding friend? Are you continually with him, with him, fellowshipping with him? Listen, are you a serving friend? Are you an obedient friend? He's the king. What kind of friend are you? I have folks uh, from my military time I still consider friends. I was in contact with one of them recently, actually two of them. I uh, imagine that I was buying a coffee somewhere and somebody was in there and they're like, hey, I haven't seen you. You look great. I'm like, retirement's amazing. (laughs) It it doesn't get better than this. But, you know, they're still in uniform and and struggling through all the Air Force stuff. But... um, We have a friendship, but it's not like the friend of the king. They don't do anything for me, and I really don't do anything for them. It's almost more of an acquaintance. Now, if they were to call upon me, I'd help them if I could. But it's not an abiding friendship. It's not a friendship that I'm fellowshipping with them on a daily basis. Uh, Listen, the reality is some of us probably have friends that we do that with, and we're not doing it with our Savior. We're spending more time with the people that are in our life, fellowshipping with them, talking with them, and we're neglecting to read the Word of God, and we're neglecting to pray, and we're not abiding with our Savior. A friend of the King. And then we get frustrated because we're not experiencing these blessings that we are supposed to benefit as a friend of the King. But it's because we're not fellowshipping with Him like we ought to. Listen, if you're in the inner court with... The Christ, with Christ, your delight should be in serving Him. There shouldn't be anything else in this world that would distract you from honoring Him with your life. There should be no other priority above Him. Not your family, certainly not your job. The love of money, that's never a good thing. But oftentimes in the routine of life, we crowd out Christ with the routine and the alarm clock and and, and the getting up and shaving and brushing our teeth. Hopefully you're brushing your teeth and doing those things, right? And all of a sudden, before we know it, we've went the day, maybe several days or a week, and we haven't spent time with our friend. We haven't spent time with our Savior. We're neglecting the opportunity to abide with him. He wants to partner with us. It's just an amazing thought. He asks to serve him, but oftentimes we respond with hesitation. We again say the right things. Boy, that there's nothing greater than serving the king. But when he asks us or instructs us from his word to do something, we hesitate. And we vacillate back and forth and we kind of have this double-mindedness and we don't immediately respond to what the king's asking us to do. 
sometimes when he asks us to witness to people, we maybe decline. We refuse to respond in in the way that he's prodding us or urging us to share Christ with others. Share this amazing relationship with others. Well, maybe it's because the relationship's not so amazing that you don't have anything to share. That's a convicting thought. What do you really have to offer them because you're not living it yourself? I can't share this abiding relationship that Christ can change and, and renew your mind and change and transform your life because it's not happening for me because I'm neglecting God in my walk with Him and in my fellowship with Him. Uh, we need to be obedient servants. We need to be obedient friends. But oftentimes it's I have things to do. Boy, I'm embarrassed. What kind of friend are you? He wants to partner with you. And lastly this morning, God, God's love provides a perspective on service. He allows us to understand the big picture. We read verses 15 and 16, uh, those things that the Father had revealed to him and, and he had shared with us or the disciples there. And uh, <clears throat> he shared the big picture. There was a, a man that worked for the Salvation Army many years ago in Boston, Samuel Bringle. Uh, one day he was walking by a saloon on his way home from work and uh, a man from inside the building threw a brick at him, hit him in the head, uh, and he was hospitalized. And he spent 18 months in recovery. And during that time, he wrote a little book called Helps to Holiness. And that book was later published and many people would often thank him for writing the book because it was a great blessing to them. Helps for holiness. And this was his response. If there had been no little brick, there had been no little book. He understood the big picture. God allowed the brick to hit him in the head so that he could settle down and take some time to write something out that would be a blessing to other people. Listen, Christ has shared the big picture with us. He gives us really a new perspective on life. A servant sees only the small part of the wall that he's building. But that's not our God. That's not our King. That's not our friend. He's shared the big picture with us. We see the whole building and what it's going to look like. Jesus assures us that we're not just servants doing a job. We are friends sharing in the vision. The Holy Spirit guides us. Look at John 16, 12. if If you want to, if not, I'm going to read it to you. God gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us into understanding the Word of God. But in the next chapter over, in in verse 12 and 13, it says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot hear them now. How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. How can we understand the Bible? How can we understand God's perspective on life? Through the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's showed us those things and He will continue to show us those things. He will guide us into greater understanding. Uh, He helps us understand God's true purpose in our lives. Most of us would have just whined and complained about the brick. And I'm sure it wasn't pleasant in the initial impact. He probably didn't immediately say, praise the Lord. He probably said, ouch, or something to that effect. 
But the reality is we oftentimes get distracted in our life because there is some small thing. Because the reality is most things that we face, when you look at the eternal perspective, are pretty insignificant and small. Now, I'm not saying people don't go through deep waters and struggles at times. There are challenges that God allows in our life. But the reality is if we would just sit back and be still and ask God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What do you want to show me in this? Uh, we would see a far greater picture than what God's trying to do in our life. But because we're impatient and we have the Burger King, I want it my way and I want it now mentality today, we don't take the time to slow down and ask God what he's doing in our life. And if you're not even in God's word and in prayer, I'm, and forget it, I don't know how you're going to be connected to anything. So you can't neglect these things. These are fundamental things in they're so basic and simple in the Christian life, but the impact they have in our lives are so profound. They truly will transform our lives if we would just abide in Him. But when I look at Christianity today, especially in American Christianity, I see a lack of transformation and a lack of change. We look more like the world than ever before, probably, in many ways. And I'm not talking about the color of your tie or anything like that. I'm just talking about how we act and how we conduct ourselves and the way we place the priorities in our life. We need to get serious about these things. The Lord's chosen us for a purpose. He says that in verse 16. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Every saved person is chosen to bring forth fruit. There's no argument. I think if you're honest with Scripture, nobody can make an argument otherwise. We are to bring forth fruit. There was no pick me, pick me to be your servant, Lord. He chose us. Well, and he saved us. He has chosen us to do a work for him. And I know some have taught that this verse means that Jesus was destining some people to heaven and some people to hell. Uh, that idea really is, in, is not consistent uh, with the scriptures. Second um, Peter three nine, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Son, men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, toward not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Revelation twenty two seventeen, God has a purpose for your life, and He will reveal that purpose as you abide in Him. Uh, you guys know my testimony of recent days and. And I didn't get where I'm at because I thought I was going to be here someday and I had this grand plan. Because if it was my plan, I want to be in South Dakota. When you're in the Air Force and you hear about Air Force bases, South Dakota is not at the top of the list for most people on where they want to go. The most, most people that I know that were in the Air Force that were stationed here that wanted to come here is because they were from here. I want to be home with mom and dad, sissies. But... Um, <clears throat> But this was never, and now we love it here. I mean, it, I mean, God did a work. 
but God brings us on or along as we abide in him. He continues to work in our life. As we turn our life over to him, he just slowly uh, uh, changes the course of our life. Uh, he has a purpose for your life, but you'll never really figure it out unless you're abiding in him. You're going to be double-minded. You're going to vacillate back and forth between what do I do with myself? What am I going to do? The, what you be, need to do is begin committing yourself to doing what he's already revealed for you to do. Yes. And some of those are the basics of abiding in him. Mm-hmm. Abiding in his word. Abiding in prayer. Some of those things we've talked about over the last few weeks. And, and doing those basic things that he's instructed us to do. Because he can't take you anywhere else until you begin being faithful and doing those things. So don't expect God to say, hey, I'm going to have you run for president of the United States because you're looking for some prominence. Now listen, we need a good, solid Christian to run for president. If he's in this room, praise the Lord. Or she. But the reality is it all begins with abiding in him to figure out what the purpose of your life is. But he has a purpose for you. The idea here of ordained means placed in ministry. Whether or not you feel that you've been called into the ministry, every child of God has been placed in the ministry. Maybe not called, because oftentimes when we say called, we're talking about preachers, evangelists, missionaries, those kind of things, right? It's somebody else uh, more significant than I, but the reality is they're not any more significant than you. If anything, they're the less in many cases, but they're just willing. You have been placed in the ministry when you received Christ. Some of you might think that only preachers are ordained, but every saint is called to be a servant. Every Christian should serve him in his ministry. And the answer is in John 15, 16, where it says that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I believe that's applicable to every Christian today. God's plan for ordaining us is so that we might bear spiritual fruit. Recently retired from the Air Force and this thing, I don't know what's going on here. But I always get, or we used to always get suicide training. And and believe me, suicide is a concern. I I don't want to minimize that at all. But uh, there are three primary reasons people will commit suicide. They feel like that no one loves them. Well, we solved that. Christ loves you enough to die for you. Uh, they feel that they have no true friends. We solve that. He wants to be your friend that abideth forever for eternity, an eternal friend. It doesn't get much better than that. I don't know these BFFs and all that stuff, uh, but an eternal friend is greater than that. And then they don't have a purpose in life. You've been ordained into the ministry. You have a purpose to bear fruit. And, And so when we talk about Christ and abiding in Christ and abiding in His provisions. He's provided all that we need. The greatest friend ever. And so He really, truly, He met those needs before we realized we had them. He answers all life's problems before we knew that we even had them. So my challenge to you this morning is, once again, are you abiding in Christ? Are you continuing with Jesus and fellowshipping with him and walking with him. Harriet Beecher Stowe, and she wrote a booklet called How to Live in Christ. She made this statement. 
How does the branch bear fruit? Not by incessant effort for sunshine and air, not by vain strugglings, it simply abides in the vine. In silent and undisturbed union, and blossom and fruit appears as of spontaneous growth. Just abiding, just continuing with Him. And, and really, it's just having that abiding relationship. And, it, you know, you can't introduce offenses into a relationship and expect it to be good. You have to deal with those things. We have to confess those things and make sure the relationship is right. And listen, as we abide in Christ, there's a wonderful transformation that happens. We become more like Him. Uh, we are conformed to the image of Christ. And that's God's ultimate goal for, for all believers, is to be conformed to the image of the Son, His Son. And so that kind of leads us into the next few weeks. We're going to look at some things about uh, <clears throat> Christ's renewal in the, in the mind of Christ. And so as we abide in Him, and what I would say is making Him the preeminent thing in our life. That's how we abide in Him. There's nothing else more important. Our job isn't. Our family isn't. He's just the preeminent one. And so whatever we need to do to keep that relationship right, that's how we abide in Him. And as we do that, He will change our lives and transform us into something far greater than we ever imagined. When we think about, oftentimes we think of stories about these amazing Christians that did amazing things for God. God can do that with us, with you, if you would just turn your life over to Him. I think we could reach Rapid City if we were serious about it, honoring God and fellowshipping with Him and abiding in Him. The natural response is fruit to be born. In our lives spiritually, the lives of Lost souls coming to know Christ. So if it isn't happening, it's because we're not connected to the vine like we ought to be. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to abide and to continue with you. Lord, help us to make your word a priority. And I pray, Father, that you would just help us to set aside our wants, our ambitions, and our desires, and our thoughts on how things ought to be. And that we would just fully trust in you and allow you to take the control of our life. And I pray, Lord, that you would take this group of people, Lord, and turn our city upside down. I pray that we would reach the lost around us. Lord, that we would encourage and strengthen those saints that we serve here with. And Lord, we just pray for your blessing upon the morning service. I pray that you'd be with our pastor. Lord, strengthen him. Give him power as he preaches. Pray, Lord, that your word would go forth and that it would speak to hearts and that lives would be changed. Lord, we pray for souls to be saved today. Lord, I pray that each one would be encouraged and strengthened through your word this morning. And we'll give you the thanks and the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.